welcome to the ITSM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for worldwide ITSM professionals. Learn more at theitsmreview.com. Welcome to the ITSM Review um, Podcast. Um, my name is Barclay Ray, this is episode number eight, and uh, today I'm joined by uh, two luminaries of the ITSM world. Uh, first of all, I have Martin Thompson. Hi Martin, how are you doing? Hi Barclay, I'm Top Banana, thank you. Top Banana, that's good to hear. I wonder what kind of fruit our other guest is going to be. Uh, I'm really delighted that we've got the, um, the famous or infamous ITSM pundit, uh, Shane Carlson, on with us. Hi Shane, how are you doing? I'm doing outstanding. Uh, I guess uh, if I were to pick a fruit uh, in honor of the season, I'd probably have to say it's pumpkin. Uh, but I, I suppose that's actually a vegetable, a form of squash, so uh, I'll have to think on that a bit. Maybe pomegranate. Yeah, so you can always fall into the trap of, you know, a tomato is, is actually a fruit and all that kind of stuff. You say tomato. Uh, I'm definitely, a, yeah, I know, yeah. I'm definitely, a, a, I suppose, would I be a, a turnip, perhaps, or a leap, as we say in Scotland? Um, but here today, we're, we're, we've got some, we've got a good topic today, I think, which is very much around the, um, the growth of ITSM and service management tools, processes, approaches, and so on beyond simply the uh, the confines of the the IT department, and it's, it's it's a real kind of movement at the moment. There's lots happening in that area. There's all this talk of collaboration, uh, people work together across organisations, and uh, we we have this term that's been coined enterprise service management. And um, Shane, I know that you're involved quite heavily in that, uh, and we're going to go into that in, in some detail in a minute. Um, let's just start with, you know, what's happening generally in, in the world at the moment. Martin, what's what's um, what's on your agenda? What, what, what are you seeing going forward? What's what's new at the moment in the ITSM review world? So um, I'm about to uh, disappear to India to go and join Suresh at uh, ITSMF India. Very, very much looking forward to that adventure, and uh, going to re- go and um, speak to. ITSM review readers in Bangalore, and then when I come back, we are going on uh, mass to the ITSMF conference in London, um, and then we're tied up with ITAM review events throughout November. So it's a very, very busy time for us. Yeah, it seems to be lots, lots going on, and there's a really good. We could put a link to the the video, the um, sort of uh, advertorial video that's been put together. It's quite funny. Um, ITSM UK conference. I think we can come on to saying, is there anything? What's the what's the theme of the ITSMF India conference? Uh, I'm doing a piece on agile and how um, agile. you can uh, mash ITAM and ITSM together for agility. Um, but uh, but Suresh has got a number of themes and some good uh, sessions. I think uh, Kaimar from uh, and Peter from Axlos are also coming over from the UK to present, and there's a good mixture of presenters. I, I'm firmly of the belief at the moment that Kaimar has cloned himself and that there are, you know, maybe five or six or maybe even ten Kaimars, uh, you know, walking the planet, um, working for Ax- Axel. I think that's Axelos's trick, isn't it? They've, they've found a way of just hiring one or two people and cloning them. He, and he's uh, he's, uh, he's travelling, he's, he's manic. <laughs> Have they gotten him his own private jet yet? He seems to be in three cities in a day lately. 
Yeah, well, he could get Ken Gonzalez to fly him around, I guess, you know. Um, Ken was over here recently in, in the UK, and, and we, had, we had a good chat, we catch up, and um, I didn't re I didn't realise that, you know, all his kind of pilot background, all the stuff that he'd done on that. So, um, you know, we could get the uh, ITSM flying club going. Um, but yeah, certainly the ITSMF India and then ITSMF UK following that, there's a lot happening at the ITSMF conference, lots of speaking and stuff. I'm not sure there's a massive lot of new stuff there, but you know, good fare, I would say anyway, that you know, the, for those attending both on the um, networking side and on the content side, there's, there's a good variety of, uh, of, of topics. And we've also had a few other you know, European conferences, Denmark, um, Belgium, I was at a couple of weeks ago, and one or two, and Estonia coming up at the beginning of December. So on that front, we're all, I think we're all quite, uh, we're all quite busy. Um, just one other thing then, Martin, I mean, are, are there any other big events that you've, I mean, I've seen you put out some stuff on the um, Tools Universe and various other things about, you know, what's been what's been consumed on the ITSM review site of late, anything else that you want, might want to pick out from that as being of note or things that, you know, surprised you uh, when you're looking through the last year's stuff? Um, it's a couple, so a couple of things, um, just on the industry news stuff, I know it is a good six months away, but it's quite a significant change in that uh, I, I only came up to speed with this a couple of weeks ago, which was that the service desk show is moving to June and the STI yeah. show is moving to April and they're moving locations so that's a, that's a quite a big shift for them. Um, from out, So I did a bit of a roundup for our, uh, I'm looking at the research program for the ITAM and ITSM review for next year about what we dig into and so we, we looked at the analytics about what people are visiting and what they're clicking on and and I think we, I can't remember the exact number but I think we've got about 300,000 people or so on the, on the site across the world over the last year so we're very, very um, humbled and proud of the growth that we've seen in the site um, but from a, from a um, you mentioned the ITSM universe that's a that's a new project for us and that's uh, capturing um, end user customer satisfaction ratings for tools so the ITSM review does a lot of tool reviews in terms of a analyst reviewing a tool uh, which is all great, um, but we're trying to bash that together with actual end user feedback and customer customer satisfaction scores. So that's that's beginning, uh, yeah. and our goal is to develop like a TripAdvisor like experience, so you can see exactly what people think of different tools and different technologies. Yeah, I mean it's, it does it does look good. I mean, you know, the more stuff you get on there, I guess it will just keep building as well uh, over over time. Um, I, I was doing a, a showcase, uh, facilitated a showcase event about a week or so back for SDI, and there was eight vendors presenting. They all had half an hour. I had a, I had a stopwatch leaked after half an hour. Chucked them off the stage. Um, it was it was really interesting in the sense that you know, as all know, you know, all the products pretty much look the same, and we're doing the same stuff. But the the way that they all presented was quite, dry, you know radically different um, not just in terms of how they had thought about what kind of topics they might focus on but also even their level of appreciation there was one or two guys in there that were kind of newer to the, the ITSM business vendors that were used there and you know just how 
those that have been there for for longer know how to tune into what people are interested in better, and I think that's an interesting kind of aspect of this. And, and you know, there were people there going around with their notebooks, obviously going through all those vendors. So the more stuff you can put out, I think that's that's transparent and uh, straightforward. Um, the more help people can get, because it's still, I, I still can't believe how many vendors there are in the ITSM market. I know, what's your view on that, Shane, stateside? I mean, is it the same guys that keep cropping up, or, I mean, we seem to constantly see new guys coming into the market, and, and I don't know where they come from or why they think they would come into ITSM. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think the the core players in the in the tool suites uh, and platforms remain very similar. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people entering what I would call the adjacent tool space that are you know coming in with unique uh, features and, and approaches to the space, uh, tackling usually uh, point solutions or a particular aspect of service management. Um, but oftentimes, I think you know they'll hit the market, try and hit it very broadly, uh, but eventually begin to align themselves with a couple of the key uh, leaders in the in the sweet space uh, and kind of hitch their wagons to those. But it, we're definitely, I, I would agree. I think uh, you know with the focus on enterprise tools in in technology and even in startups uh, over the last year. I think we're seeing a lot more people look at this space uh, and, and attempt to enter it. It's it certainly, I mean, uh, from my point of view, and I've been looking at the market for, you know, I suppose 20, 20 years really, that the, the, the last few years have got much more interesting. There's a long period where there was nothing really happened at all. And that maybe wasn't the vendor's fault. Maybe that was, you know, actually practitioners not really getting off their backsides and doing enough um, as well. But um, the last few years, it has got much more interesting. The interfaces have got so much better. The approach, you know, things like real social, and you know, three or four years ago, we're all going, oh, what we're going to do with social? We're going to tweet, and it's, well, it's it's much much more than that. Um, all, all those kind of things have made it much more um, accessible. And just that's a good point, I think, to move on to our topic, um, which is is. I suppose being driven by the tools um, and the fact that the tools are more accessible and so on, um, and that they are easier to use and can be applied beyond, you know, the, the sort of landscape of the tools isn't so much couched purely in the kind of language of ITIL as it might have been a few years ago. So we're, we're going to talk about that kind of um, service management beyond IT, um, and, and that's where we're, we're really delighted that you, you've joined us today. Just just as we do that, Shane, can you give us a little bit of a quick sketch, a bit of background about yourself, I mean, how, did, how where you are, what you fruition partners you work with, and, and you know, how long you've been there, what, what sort of other things you've been doing in your career to get to this point, find yourself in ITSM. Sure, sure. So uh, I've been involved in uh, in the IT and, and service management worlds for, uh, geez, near on 20 years now. Uh, I started out uh, in the service desk world, uh, or I'm sorry, the call center world actually, uh, building out uh, support uh, centers for uh, Intuit's uh, QuickBooks payroll product, and then quickly, quickly uh, entered the service desk world from there and helped them build out their global service desk. Uh, that was in the, well, the mid to late 90s, and then uh, quickly evolved into kind of broader leadership roles within IT and with a with a predilection for service management. Uh, spent about the last uh, eight or nine years in the consulting side of it, 
you know, helping other companies. And you know, uh, I think for me, the biggest benefit to that was, you know, when you when you're inside a single company for a long period of time, you get a bit myopic. Even if you're going out to uh, uh, conferences and talking to other people and involved in the community, uh, sometimes you get weighed down by the politics and and everything else inside your own organization. It's very hard to get outside perspective. Uh, so, you know, 10 years in the consulting world has, has kind of given me a perspective on how many different uh, companies approach these problems, you know, what the commonality is between some of their struggles, but also, some, you know, an understanding and respect for the uniqueness of each individual organization and how you need to approach change within those organizations. And it's been very good. Uh, I joined uh, Fruition Partners about uh, a little over a year ago. And uh, initially came over kind of in the role of a principal consultant, uh, but within about two months of arriving here, there's an opportunity to kind of help build out uh, what we call our global channel, which is working with a lot of our select partners in the, the global service integrators, managed services, consulting partner space. And I've spent about the last uh, you know, 10 months really working on that and kind of building out and aligning our vision with the visions of the managed service providers of the world, uh, the consulting partners of the world, and kind of helping shape uh, not only our vision of, of what service management looks like, but you know, working with you know some some pretty great companies and thought leaders out there uh, that are really trying to change the space, move it forward, and, and kind of make this leap from you know the traditional service management that we've been experiencing for the last 20 or so years in IT to more of a uh, a enterprise level service management, uh, and, and I think. You know that's that's a, a big thing for us because in in the ITSM worlds for years and years, and, and I've seen hundreds of presentations on this. Is how do we define business value? You know, as an internal service provider within IT, you know, how do we how do we justify a service management program? I know myself, you know, I, I've done it many times over the years, but oftentimes we rely on things like soft dollar savings and other things like that, and and ultimately. You know, we're, we're struggling to map what we do and create that line of sight to, to business value and impact on bottom line and revenue. So it's been an exciting journey for me to kind of work in this role uh, with a lot of our partners and kind of push things along in the industry and kind of see where things are going. So it's going to be kind of exciting to talk about that today. That's, I mean, that's that's a really kind of interesting um, sort of lead in there, and thank you for the sort of sketch. I mean, I, do you think, and, and, um, you know, having done consulting, I'm assuming that was true consulting. You you weren't just doing tool implementation consulting. You were doing organizational management consulting. No, for, for the yeah, for the majority of it, it was true management consulting. You know, tool agnostic, uh, focus on the process, focus on the people. Uh, you know, with with a bend for uh, understanding how to leverage the tool, whatever tool that may be, to enable outcomes uh, for those particular processes so yeah it was true management consulting and you know for me I mean we talked about the tools a little bit ago the tools have evolved rapidly in this space and you know this tool today that tool tomorrow uh, the tools necessary aren't necessarily the most important aspect of it it's understanding how to leverage those for the outcomes you're desired yeah I mean that's just what I was going to ask you has that given you a different perspective because apart from anything else I mean and, and what we're seeing we're talking with this enterprise um, service management approach is actually that we, we, we need to talk to different people. We need to engage and sell and deliver, um, you know, results through through the tools and processes. Um, it's certainly my, my 
feeling and having worked with a vendor and, and, and worked with a number of them over the years is that they, they, it can be too easy, as you said, to get a bit myopic and, and just see it from the point of view where we've sold something to these guys and they want it, you know, they said they want it, but actually are they, do they even know themselves what the outcomes that are required in their organization are from doing this? I mean, has that, has that helped you in that perspective? I really think it has, and I think you know, one of the biggest influences that we've seen on the, the traditional ITSM tool space has actually come from outside of the ITSM market, and that's kind of the pressures from the sales forces of the world, the work days of the world, that are going out, and you know, when, when, when all of us got into this business you know, 15 or 20 years ago or more, um, you know, if you had a technology as a vendor, the first place you stopped was the CIO and the IT organization, and that's how you sold into an organization. For the last four or five years, we've seen a, a paradigm shift in how technology uh, companies sell into businesses. No longer are they coming and knocking on the door of the CIO, they're going to the marketing uh, chief, they're going to the CEO, they're going to the sales organizations, and they're saying, look, I have a tool to solve a specific business problem that I know you have. And I'm going to sell it directly to you. And you know they sell the vision that you don't even need your IT organization to implement this tool. You know, uh, you know, you just come in, you give me a credit card, and you turn it on, and within a matter of hours, we're solving business problems. And you know, yes, they might be overselling that in some ways, uh, but in some cases, these tools have cut IT out of the equation altogether. And oftentimes, IT gets brought in after the fact when someone needs to integrate it with another backend system, or they're having problems supporting it, or they don't have the processes in place to manage it, or you know, the the tens and twenties of tools that they purchase outside of IT that all have these disparate support or uh, support support processes that they need to manage. So how, how does that? I mean, it's. I, I hear sort of different stories on this, and, and when I did that review earlier this year um, for ITSM review on on this topic, I, I, you know, beyond IT, um, one or two of the vendors that I spoke to, you know, were saying things like, "Well, actually, we, you know, we've, we've had implementations that have been quite successful, and that's where they haven't been doing it marketing-led. They've been doing it, you know, almost like a, a, an on-sale." Um, once they've they've got into a client, and so you're saying, and others have said to me as well that you're actually targeting, presumably marketing, and then selling direct, uh, much further up the chain or across the organisation, rather than you're not relying on the IT department to come back to you to say, you know, hey, we need we need to extend the use of this tool across the organisation. Yeah, so so oftentimes, and, and we've seen this, you know, more so in the last year and a half or two years, our entry point with with our solutions uh, and and uh, the processes and stuff that we're bringing to the table are starting outside of IT, and it's probably in you know three out of ten cases where we start you know in the HR department, the facilities department, and start solving you know business problems there. Uh, and in some cases, we, we also uh, come in and move into the IT department, but we have a number of customers where we're doing work solely outside of the IT department uh, and doing business process automation uh, and service delivery uh, completely outside of IT. Sorry, sorry, Shane. And, uh, just just to get the num just to get the numbers right there, you said three out of ten was was uh, initiated outside of IT or the other way around. Three out of ten, uh, on average, uh, right now, and, and and that number seems to be kind of growing. Uh, and we've got a number of opportunities that we're pursuing right now uh, 
that, that follow that model that are again are completely outside of IT. Um, and you know, oftentimes uh, the IT department will get involved. Uh, you know, after our first project, uh, they'll see the, the what we've done uh, for HR facilities, legal, etc., and and want to come in. You know, the majority are still starting at IT and building and evolving from there. But we're definitely seeing a paradigm shift in in who the uh, the folks that we're marketing to and the folks that we're solving problems for. Definitely more of that coming from within the business. And I think a lot of that, the what we're seeing is kind of uh, unmet demand in these areas. I mean, for, for those of us who have been in ITSM for a number of years, you know, we understand the basics of incident management, uh, change management, request management. Uh, and we know that, you know, regardless of the provider of service or the service being provided, there's a certain pattern of behaviors, a certain process that needs to be followed to resolve incidents, to fulfill requests. Uh, and that's a repeatable uh, process and a repeatable pattern that can be, you know, taken and stamped and cookie-cuttered outside of IT with minimal adaptation. And I think the, the biggest barrier to entry uh, that we've had prior to the last couple of years is the fact that in IT, especially with ITIL and ITSM, we have a very uh, common language that we have built up over the last 20 or so years. So when I walk into a conference anywhere in the world uh, of IT professionals and say, you know, raise your hand if you know what an incident is, uh, you know, a, a good two-thirds of the room will raise their hand and we can all have the same conversation about what an incident is, which, you know, even 10 years ago in this industry was, was remarkable if you could get half the people in the room to agree on what an incident is versus what a request is. But we've, we've, we've got this common language now. But what, we, what we're seeing is that language doesn't exist uh, outside of IT. You know, in HR departments, they have different names for different things. Um, there is some certain common language around things like HR case management, which would correlate to what we call uh, you know, service request management in the ITSM world, and understanding how to map uh, the language that we're used to in ITSM into the language of, of HR uh, you know, opens a lot of opportunities to help solve similar problems just by shifting how we talk about things. And are these departments, I mean, is there any commonality between, is there a... Um, is there any is there any particular department that stands out as like a quick win or low hanging fruit in terms of implementing this? Yeah, you know we're we're really seeing HR uh, is is the kind of the the leading uh, area of opportunity right now, and I think it's largely because it's a it's a fairly underserved uh, market for certain things, uh, you know, like HR case management, incident management, service request management. Um, they've got HRIS systems that are great at managing the people side of it. They've got PeopleSoft. You know, they manage the human capital aspects very well. They manage the training sides of it very well. But when they need something from an HR organization or you know multiple organizations, if the request originates in HR and has to be doled out to various service providers, you know those systems are largely lacking in some of the the norms that we're used to in the ITSM world. You know, especially when it comes to service catalogs, provisioning, automation approvals, things of that nature. Uh, the tools that they have today are very rudimentary in that aspect, if they exist at all. So being able to pair them with, with solutions and processes that drive consistent outcomes uh, is, is a very good thing for them and something that they haven't had previously. Um, and what's the business case for, if we look at HR, what's the business case for doing anything there? Is it just a case of making things more efficient or is there any, anything that's particularly biting them that, that makes them want to change? Uh, you know, the one thing I will say is if, if you thought we've had uh, uh, 
very small budgets in IT over the last 10 or 15 years, take a look at the average HR department. You know, in, in, in the IT world, you know, we're used to dealing with, you know, I think it's two and three, sometimes as high as 5% of the overall uh, corporate budget to deal with. And, you know, oftentimes in a large company of, uh, you know, several thousand people, there are typically several hundred IT people. You look at those same organizations and their HR departments, they're still serving, you know, that same two or 3,000 people, but they're doing it with, you know, tens and twenties of people as opposed to hundreds. So the economies of scale and the demands, especially here in the States, with, uh, you know, healthcare laws changing, people having lots of questions, you know, they're, they're having to do a lot more these days with a lot less in those cases. And why? So it's, I mean, it, sorry, sorry, Martin. I was just going to say, it, it, the, do you have a specific, I mean, could you mention things like portals and provisioning and service catalogs there? I mean, are there the one or two, just thinking that those people out there who may not have thought too much about this before, what's a really specific example of the type of application or, or, or you know, system that you might that, that yeah. you know that relates to service management that, but, but, but that is, is is dealing with you know HR or HR functionality yeah we so we've been doing uh, work at a, at a very large university uh, that has uh, campuses all over the globe uh, for a number of years now and uh, we actually started in their HR department uh, and only in the last year or so have we started doing work for their IT department uh, but we built out kind of a number of, of processes uh, and automation solutions for them uh, that basically tackle everything from uh, HR case management around uh, requests, um, time off, uh, leave management, um, sabbatical management. So being a university, they have multiple constituent groups that they're dealing with on a daily basis. They have uh, the students, which is a very large population, uh, and in some cases, students can, can buy healthcare through the university, a number of other things that, that fall under the, the domain of the HR department to manage. Uh, they've got staff that they're dealing with, uh, you know, sabbaticals and tenure and all kinds of things, you know, extended periods of time off, travel around the world to different global campuses. Uh, as well as uh, alumni, which which have certain entitlements and benefits from the university that are also managed by HR. So when we walked in the door, they had the typical HRIS systems that you would imagine having. They also had student management systems and other things that the HR department relied on, but it was very disparate. Um, and there, you know, people had to go to different places to request different things. And even within the HR departments, you know, the domain experts in particular areas. Uh, it was a lot of work just to maintain and move information from systems uh, to manage things, uh, you know, like the leave management for for uh, uh, professors and, and staff. So we've helped them build out a number of systems that allow them to uh, request time off, manage time off, manage uh, 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 faculty calendars, uh, things of that nature. Uh, automated a lot of the approval systems that were in place because again the systems that they were dealing with didn't manage approvals to that level they couldn't uh, you know send off requests uh, via email to certain people that were outside of the system um, so in that particular case we, we were solely focused for a period of about two years on helping enable their HR department in a lot of these core areas uh, that were underserved by the, by the individual systems that they had in place it's a fascinating area and um, university world because I mean it's just it's such a disparate you know you talk about going into a corporate organization or, or a government department which is quite usually quite straightforward and hierarchy but you know you've got all these lots and lots of different departments and faculties and different types of people 
students to academics to admin people. So it must it must be a great opportunity to go in and actually cut across these organisations. But at the same time, it must be a huge challenge in terms of getting collaboration. But you know, collaboration is the current buzzword. But I mean. What sort of challenges have you actually had in, in making these kind of things work? Because I mean, presumably, if you're consulting experience, you'll be, you'll have to go back to them and say, "Well, we can do this, but we need to get these guys on board, or we need to do this, or we need to do that." So, what sort yeah, of problems have you actually found? Many of many of the problems are the same that, that we've experienced in IT over the years. You know, kind of the organizational change aspects. You know, getting anyone to change how they do something. Uh, versus, um, you know, what they did yesterday and where you need them to go tomorrow. It, that's always one of the biggest challenges. Stepping outside of IT, we've, we've experienced, you know, uh, a fair number of, of unique uh, challenges that I think we, we haven't been used to in IT for a number of years. And, and it's, you know, we're dealing with the same end users. We're dealing with the same constituent groups and consumers uh, outside of IT, typically, that we're dealing with inside of IT. But the, 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 the problem and the approach to the problem is oftentimes a little bit different. Um, you know, some of the biggest ones, and I mentioned this earlier, was the challenge of understanding the language, not only of the organization itself, which is something that you know, we've, we've learned to do in IT, but understanding the language of, of HR you know, and legal and facilities. Uh, there are very specific uh, terms that they use, and they have very specific connotations. And coming from the IT space, you know, we may not be uh, fully aware of, of the term itself and the implications of it. So, you know, I think the biggest challenge uh, for us in getting into the space was was having that domain expertise uh, or the subject matter expertise to walk in and have credibility that says, not only do we think we can solve your problem because you know we've been doing this for for 10 or 15 years on the IT side of the world, but we understand the uniqueness of when you say, you know, I have an HR case what that means and how it's different from uh, an IT service management service request. And you know that's taken some learning um, and, and we've actually had to bring on some folks that are experts in some of these areas. Uh, another one that comes to mind is uh, in the pharmaceuticals area. Uh, here, in, here in the States we have the, the FDA who requires that certain aspects of their uh, uh, internal processes around how they manage and control something from a compound or a substance that they identify through to a marketable drug that's approved and can be put on the market. There are certain aspects of the technical systems that manage that and need to be validated and certified. So, you know, we've, you know, done a number of implementations where we've built validation and certification uh, applications and processes for clients to automate things that were very manual in the past. Uh, and, and luckily, you know, there are certain tools on the market that have actually been certified by the FDA or meet FDA standards for validation and certification for request management approvals uh, and other things. So we've been able to leverage that uh, and come in and, and solve something that has been, you know, very underserved in the past, uh, where they did have tools to manage some of these approvals uh, and, and validated systems, uh, you know, they were archaic. They, you know, some of these things were DOS-based, running on an ancient system, you know, somewhere under somebody's desk uh, that only solved a, a very specific aspect of the validation process. So it's been very interesting stepping outside of the ITSM bubble uh, and, and solving problems uh, that, that drive, you know, bottom line business value. It's really interesting when you talk about, um, you know, the, the the language, the taxonomy, um, as being, you know, one of the because I mean, to some extent, 
and I do know quite a lot of organisations that have been doing aspects of this one way or another, I guess for years, because the capability has always been there. Um, but actually it does take a change in language, both from the point of view of how you market and how you approach people and, and how you get them on side by convincing them that you that you understand understand their their organization and their, their their challenges I mean has that been a challenge for you for example for your salespeople and, and you know you're kind of onboarding people in terms of how they approach doing this as well yeah I, I think it has been uh, you know again you know folks who have been uh, immersed in the ITSM world you know we've gotten very comfortable with with the language and the taxonomy and and how we approach the problem space uh, stepping outside of that and stepping into you know, areas of, of true management consulting that are IT independent. Um, it's a bit of a stretch for some people who have done it. But once you once you realize that you can, you know, mentally map what you know and how you solve problems and how you approach that into the language and the taxonomy into the specific uniqueness of those problems, you realize you you know a lot more about solving these problems than, than you previously realized. You know, I don't necessarily know how to identify a compound in a pharmaceutical company and and bring that to market. But I do know, you know, how to how to you know drive outcomes for automating business processes, you know, uh, getting certain aspects of a process defined, understanding the outcome that they're driving towards, and any regulate uh, uh, regulatory aspects that need to be managed along the way that they influence that process and how those outcomes are achieved. So once you understand that you know how to solve similar problems, mapping that into the uniqueness of that particular problem space is is a little easier than you might expect. I was speaking to a guy last year that had done this, and I asked him um, what, you know, there's plenty that we can take from the IT department and from ITSM into other departments, but I asked him what could ITSM learn from these other departments, and uh, he said that, uh, I can't remember the exact words, but he said something along the lines of that some departments wanted some things that were less robotic, so yes. if you were... If you're responding to a ticket about an outage, then you know most people are used to a fairly robotic, automated response from IT. But when you were speaking to other departments, they wanted, even though it might have been delivered by an automated system, they wanted a bit more personality to it, which I thought was a really interesting feedback. Is, is there anything that you see that we can learn from these other departments? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think that's one of the things that you know, I I think I learned that in in the ITSM world. Um, you know, uh, far before I even got a consulting is depending on the criticality and the sensitivity of the particular process or outcome business outcome that you're supporting you know it may require a, a different measure of response you know whether that's uh, you know being empathetic uh, to the criticality of that particular thing uh, talking in the language and the you know the understanding of that business process um, has become especially critical in places, especially like higher education. Uh, uh, tenured professors uh, tend to be um, very high maintenance, um, especially if they're dealing with, uh, you know, a classroom lecture or some sort of technology failure uh, or supporting uh, failure within the classroom while they're trying to lecture or things of that nature. So. By understanding the criticality of that particular business process, what it means to you know potential impact to revenues, what it means to potential impact to other areas of the company and other business processes, and responding in kind, you know even if it's just saying, hey, we understand that uh, you know that you're having problems. Uh, 
uh, entering leave or booking travel to another campus uh, and that you're leaving within a two-week window and you know we know you need to have X, Y, and Z in place prior to this date. Um, you know that helps. Uh, like you said, we've gotten very good at automating messages with an IT that says, "Okay, great. I put in a service request. I get an email back that says, thank you. You know, here's your ticket number. Click here to get updates.' And you know, you from us in an hour or two. And in often cases, especially when you're dealing with you know more frontline business processes, that's not enough. They need either more information. Uh, in that in that request, or in some cases, uh, we've even built mechanisms that notify folks, uh, you know, with a telephone call or a text message that says, "Hey, you know, we've gotten this request from you. We understand what it means. You know, here's the people that are working on the problem for you. Here's uh, the expectation uh, that we're going to set with you about how fast it's going to be delivered, and you know, you should expect a, a phone call or a touch point from this person at this point. So, you know, having the 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 ability to vary the response uh, according to both the individual and the business processes that are affected, uh, I think is critical, especially as we move further and further into the business space, you know, outside of the IT. We've gotten people very, very well trained over the years in IT to expect a certain thing, and shows like the IT crowd don't help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I think that's actually been one of the biggest uh, barriers to. Uh, getting into the ESM uh, space more uh, from the traditional ITSM space is unless we have credibility within that organization as an IT group, you know that we execute on the basics, we're never going to have credibility, you know, in the boardroom. So, you know, the example I gave last week at a conference I was at is, you know, is if you go to, you know, the chief marketing officer, or the head of HR in an organization to say, hey, I'm from IT and I'm here to help, and here's what I can do for you. The first response of many organizations is going to be, you know, yesterday you couldn't even reset my password in four hours. What makes me think that, you know, I can hand you a critical business process and expect, you know, uh, positive outcomes from that? So, you know, we've got to do well on the ITSM basics internally in these organizations before we can extend that credibility and extend that, uh, you know, those best practices and those those outcome-driven results. Uh, outside of the IT organization. Yeah, so almost so the, one of the, biggest. the IT department is a center of excellence for doing this, isn't it? It needs to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the IT house needs to be in order before we offer our services outside of it. Yeah. And the other, the other um, thing I mentioned this gentleman saying was uh, there was a cultural issue whereby if they went to facilities and they automated some facilities ticketing, say, um, the, the guy might that was was fixing a pipe or whatever um, might have received a ticket and might start going to look for parts and developing the you know working on that job basically but they had to teach them to update the ticket to say they were working on it because as far as the customer was concerned it was unanswered nothing was happening and, and yeah. nothing was happening and he was not he was doing, going about his business doing what he was supposed to be doing might have been doing it incredibly efficiently but as far as the customer is aware it's a blank space so there, there was a there's a cultural thing that needed to happen in terms of work practices. So, so how would you typically address that? Is that is that just a case of doing a workshop, or how how do you fix that? Yeah, and, and I mean it's no different than than some of the problems we've had with you know what I would call you know tier three providers in the IT service management space, where 
you know, I mean, Unix, Unix developers and system admins and network administrators were notorious for not updating tickets. And it was only through a matter of, you know, education on the importance of why uh, these tickets need to be updated in real time, giving them easy ways to do that, uh, and, and closing the feedback loop with them when, when they do do the things correctly, um, were we able to overcome that. And I think we have this, a similar challenge outside of IT, especially, um, you know, when you're thinking of, of work that requires dispatch of some kind, where you're sending someone out into the field to repair something that may be off-grid or or away from, you know, a wireless access point where they could get on quickly and update that. Um, you know, I think some of the ways that we've done that is, is extending uh, mobile capabilities uh, for those type of technicians and literally in some cases, um, you know, giving them a form that has a single button on it that says, I, I have the problem and I'm working on it. You know, they click a button and out uh, to, to, the, to the requester and to the, uh, the, the folks who took the call. Um, you know, little things like that that, that enable people with a, a minimum amount of friction to do the right thing yep. uh, tends to drive the greatest outcomes, you know. Uh, but absolutely, education on the importance of, of why people need to be updated. And, and I think, you know, this is an area where the consumerization of technology uh, has driven, you know, expectations on the client side uh, that are hard in some cases to meet uh, internally. And so we've got to create processes and systems and mechanisms that reduce the amount of friction required to give that similar experience to folks because you know I know me I'm so used to shopping on amazon.com if I if I ask for something internally and I don't have an update within you know 15 or 20 minutes as to you know when I can expect to receive that service I get a little antsy and you know we've got to remember that those expectations have been set externally and we need to we need to manage those expectations yeah in, in terms of expectation setting uh, and in terms of where where IT has the potential to go and reinvent themselves, um, you know, this has been something I, I've been talking about for a number of years in, in different presentations is, you know, it, it's not too far in the future and we're already seeing it in some organizations where IT uh, is not necessarily, is going to be far less hands-on, you know, twisting bits in the technology and far more in a role of, of what I would call a, a where we're working with various solutions that are out there, various platforms to drive very specific outcomes and automate things on technology that may be inside our walls or maybe outside our walls. Uh, and, and the skills required to do that uh, are very different in some cases the skill sets that we've been training in IT for the last 10 or 15 years. So, you know, I think, you know, and, and we've all talked a lot about you know, the, the concept of outside-in, this really is an outside-in approach where you have to truly understand the nature of the business you're supporting, the criticality of various business processes, and the expected outcomes from each of those processes, and how to drive those most efficiently and effectively. And once we do that, I, I think we're going to go a long way towards you know driving real business value uh, and transforming the role of, of IT into you know that of, of, of business automation uh, or you know, kind of a business value driver. Okay, I mean that that we have, as you say, we have been talking about that for a long time, and it just seems now that maybe it's the, the turning point where it really does, where events do overtake it to the point where you know it's not just about you know, yeah. buying stuff you know without their permission. You know, it's it, it is actually about organizational change driving this rather than. You know, yeah, trying to implement I think the, the the only difference between 
you know, where we are today versus where we are 10 or 15 years ago when we talked about this. I mean, you know, having facilities and HR leverage an ITSM tool is not a new concept. We were doing that on platforms, you know, 10 years ago. Um, what's different today, I think, is, you know, we've gotten more mature in how we deliver our processes and the technology has caught up to a place where it doesn't feel like an IT tool anymore. You know, it, it, it is truly a business process automation platform and regardless of the process that we're automating, there are ways to, to normalize it towards the language of the business, the language of the individual organization you're supporting and the specific business outcomes you're driving. And I think that's the biggest difference. And I think that's, that's a huge thing for, for, you know, all the different levels of the industry that we might talk about, whether that's just IT as a whole, whether that's organizational change uh, and, and certainly our, our our beloved ITSM world is going to be, you know, it, 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 it's significantly impacted by that. Just taking that on then, what do you think that will this will do then to, back to ITSM for a second, what do you think that will really do for the ITSM market, particularly the tool market? Do you think it will lead to more consolidation? Do you think it will lead to more, I don't know, um, integration of tools? You know, everybody has their, you know, a million APIs that they write so they can send and receive tickets, but it's much, more, much more than that now. And is, is this really going to drive consolidation in the industry, do you think? You know, I, I, th I think, you know, the answer is I think it's going to drive both. Um, you know, we were talking earlier before before uh, the podcast about the, the tool space and how so many people are entering the market uh, and, um, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about is the fact that the innovation cycles in the enterprise tool space is so much faster than it used to be. You know, we talked about a period of, of stagnation for five or ten years where the ITSM tools really didn't evolve. Uh, and I would I would argue to say that, that most of the enterprise technology tools didn't evolve. And when they did evolve, it was very minimal. It was a very slow progression. And all of a sudden, you know, five or six years ago, as, as uh, you know, kind of the, the consumerization uh, technology started taking off and that bubble started growing very quickly um, you know we in the enterprise side kind of lagged behind and then five or six years ago we caught up and very you know slowly over five or six years those innovation cycles have been getting short, shorter and shorter and shorter and you know new technology is coming out so fast uh, and often is disruptive to something that was disruptive you know only a year ago uh, that I think it's going to be very interesting to see. I think consolidation is probably a very natural part of this cycle, uh, but the the uh, cost barriers of entering the enterprise technology application space have been lowered dramatically with you know the advent of things like Amazon Web Hosting uh, and development platforms that allow you to to uh, build applications very quickly and for a, a, oftentimes a very low cost, and then you scale and ramp up your costs as you as you grow your business. So. I think it's going to be very interesting that at the same time we'll see consolidation of some of these point solutions into the larger suites and maybe some of the suites into other suites. Uh, I think we're also just going to you know see that innovation cycle become more and more rapid and more and more disruptive. Um, you know that, that these solutions are going to be out there and who knows what the next big thing is and how quickly it's going to be coming. But but I really think it's going to be very exciting to watch over the next couple of years. So you said um, at the beginning about the. Um uh, you know, there's lots of pl new players popping up and people reinventing themselves and so on and so forth. I think um, a lot of vendors see this as a strategic uh, play because if, if you've got the help desk or you've got the service desk, then 
you've got routes into all sorts of areas of the market so you are seeing players actually give away the service desk because they see it as so strategic for picking up everything else i was chatting with somebody about this the other day and they said that the you know the the um, service desk is often the heartbeat of the of the it department whereas if you're going outside it then you've potentially got the whole spinal column so you, you're underpinging everything and what i would like to see is potentially there's going to be less churn so you don't get these companies that go through a three-year cycle looking for a service desk you actually have somebody because if, if, if you've potentially got hr facilities finance and it all on one platform that's going to be theoretically that's going to be quite difficult to rip out and and just swap over every three years absolutely i i mean i i do quite a lot of procurement consulting you know, whether it just be workshops or you know, helping organisations to get to the point of decision, um, and more and more involved in those processes are um, people from you know a much wider um, part of the or in parts of the organisation, whether it be HR, finance, um, or whatever. And I, I agree, and I think I, I think that's a good thing because I mean that it's just you know a waste of money and resources and, and just effort and. You know, emotional <laughs> disruption of, of nothing else for organisations to have to keep doing it, and, and very often they keep they rip and replace when they don't really need to. You know, they they, they may have something that, that actually works perfectly well, but they, for whatever reason, think that they need to change. Um, and you know, now I think, as as we're saying, that now the, the way the tools have, have developed, they they really have got to that point where they are offering something new and, and offering some new. Um, Approaches both for technology people and for business people, uh, or however, however you want to characterise them. Um, I think, I mean, you kind of mentioned there, Shane. One thing I was going to say. I mean, do you, well, what do you see as the next big thing coming? If we do get to this point where we've got more consolidation, we've got more enterprise-wide implementations um, across organisations. Then we get. Do we then get to a point of saturation where actually? You know the the market stops expanding because I mean it, it keeps on going and, and I think we've all been saying it for a while it's it's got to stop somewhere <laughs> we can't keep getting so many more new players coming in and, and seemingly you know there hasn't been that much disruption in the market in the sense of people going out of business or or a lot of consolidation that there have been some mergers and acquisitions but no actually that much. Yeah, I, I, for me, you know, this is something that, that I've been talking about for a number of years is is what I what I will call uh, contextual support. And this is something I have not seen anyone address very well. And this is, you know, to me is is I'm working in an application, I'm trying to, you know, drive a particular business process and something happens. You know, I should be able to within that application, you know, call for help. Uh, and and have whatever backend systems that manage those the the incidents or service requests or whatever know what I'm doing what I'm working on know the business criticality of it and allow me to ask for contextual help right then and there uh, without having to step outside and go to a service portal or go somewhere else I mean I think for me that is the biggest opportunity to to kind of evolve how we support a business uh, from an ITSM point of view and even from a business point of view. Uh, is really you know getting in there, contextually supporting them natively within how they work, and automatically understand the importance of that particular action that they're performing, how it relates to a larger business process, and potentially what impact it has to you know the bottom line and revenue. 
What's that um, uh, crowd-sourced uh, GPS? Is it is it a Waze? Have you heard of that? Waze, Waze. Um, yeah. And, and you're, 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 it's very interesting. You're benefiting from the community. You know, if you're making a route to work, you're benefiting from everyone else using the application to get the best route based on everyone else's feedback. And you could almost do that from a service management point of view, couldn't you? In context, to say, based on what you're doing and what others have done, this is your next step. Yeah. Well, and that that brings up a whole other side of of the service management market that I think right now is mining the data that, that is created today in, in how people use these applications, when they ask for support, you know, what a system slowdown looks like from a user's perspective. You know, we're collecting bits of information and data every day that are going unutilized because we don't have time in many cases to look at it or address it. So I, I think there's there's a lot of exciting aspects to service management that we've only begun to scratch the surface on really start looking into this, uh, you know, I think it can be transformational in, in how we approach support and how we just approach service in general. Just thinking, looking at the time, just kind of wrapping up, um, fantastic debate I and mean, really interesting stuff there. Um, I mean, I, I, I'd just like to kind of wrap it up, Shane, you know, just with, I mean, we talked about where you think it's going, it's a really exciting time, we talked about the market, we talked about extending things over. A number of different areas. Um, sort of back to you a little bit. Is, is this what you thought you'd be doing at this point in your career and your life? You know, it, I think it's very, very interesting from a, a career projection point of view where where I've gone. I'm not a I'm not a big planner. I, I never set really high expectations for for where I've been going uh, over you know twenty some odd years in in technology. I think for me, what's been exciting is the fact that every couple of years, um, you know, my career has taken a different turn, and uh, I've been able to face new and unique challenges, uh, and it hasn't ever really gotten boring. Uh, you know, from my point of view, I, I'm a huge and passionate fan of the service management industry, and continue to transform to see it get more relevant to from a business point of view has been has been great. So. I'm very excited as to where it's going. You know, I don't know where I'm going to be five years from now. I don't know where this industry is going to be five years from now. Continue to be exciting. What would be good to see, um, just as wrapping up, is to see some perhaps some shared best practices around this. So, um, you know, we've got yeah. we've got plenty of best practices around ITSM, and uh, you know, be good to see perhaps some best practices around HR about how people have actually. Uh, implemented this stuff and tips and tricks and shortcuts um, so that we can we can all benefit from that. I, I, I haven't really seen that come together in the industry yet, but that'd be good good for good to see. Absolutely, I think I think you know organisations are still playing their own path in this, and, and there is still a disruptive and competitive element. You know, finding and we don't want a, a new kind of idol. We you know for for this, we we just want good practical stuff. Uh, and easily accessible stuff that people can use um, to, you know, to speed this up and, and, and move it forward. Okay, Shane, thank you very much for your contribution. Nice to talk to you. Thank you, gentlemen, for the opportunity. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, great to talk to you as ever, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. I don't know when uh, we'll see you next at whatever conference, but um, take it easy, easy over there, and uh, enjoy your, uh, enjoy your. Your weekend, your holiday. Um, 
Nice to talk to you as ever. Thank you very much, Martin. Thank you, Shane. And we'll we'll speak to you all soon again on the next version of the edition of the ITSM Review Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.